whisper a prayer to him today. Tell him how thankful you are, how grateful you are. Lord, your good and your mercy never ends. We're so thankful that we're covered by you. Your grace is enough for us. Lord, I pray for each person here and those that are gathered around a laptop or a phone watching our service today, that Lord, whatever the need is in their lives, in their home, on their job, in their finance, Lord, in their spiritual walk with you, whatever it is, I pray that you would give them the desire of their heart according to your will, and Lord, that you would help them in the struggles that they face. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. So today, I'm excited to be with you because we're starting a new series. And the name of this series, you might have seen on Facebook already, is called I Am. Now, the series that we're going to go through over the next several weeks is going to be discovering the words of Jesus, the statements of Jesus that are made throughout the Gospel of John. They're significant because they reveal to us his character and his behavior as God. They're significant because they reveal his deity. They tell us that he is God, but they also help communicate some other truths to us. So today we're going to dive into the first one, but I want to give you a little bit of context. Uh, That's my thing I like to do to make sure that you know where we're headed. Uh, Because as we look at these I am statements, we're going to see what they meant to the people who heard them. But more than that, we're going to learn what they mean for us today. So go with me to Exodus chapter 3. We'll look at John, the gospel of John in a few minutes, but Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, it's the story of the burning bush. Raise your hand if you remember reading that story or hearing that story. Okay, God's voice comes to Moses out of a bush that is burning but is not burnt up. It is definitely a supernatural event that occurs. It's the story of Moses being called by God to be the deliverer for the people of Israel. And it's the first time that Moses encounters, or we could say, meets God. God, like a true gentleman, introduces himself. (laughs) You ever been to a party or to a gathering, and you've walked in, and you see these faces, but you have no idea who everybody is, and then somebody tries to rattle off, oh, well, she's related to so-and-so, and and he's related to so-and-so, and so-and-so, and and so and then you, like, lose touch of all of the names and everything. Well, this is a moment that is memorable and, and burned into the history of not only the people of God, but also even us today, now thousands of years later, because it's in Scripture for us. In verse 6 of Exodus chapter 3, he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It says, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. I just had an interesting thought this week in the preparation of this message. How many of us would hide our face and be afraid to look at God? There's a lot that goes into that. But the conversation continues and God tells Moses that he is going to be the one who's been selected to go before Pharaoh to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. 
Jump with me in chapter 3 to verse 13. It says this, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am Notice the capitalization there, has sent me to you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So in this moment, God reveals his name to Moses And then it carries on throughout the history of the Israelite people. Jesus is going to tap in to that understanding that they have. In those days, everybody was religious. Whether you were a Jew or not, it seems like, as we studied history, everybody believed in something. And so when these people, the Jewish people, had been raised in church, they had gone to Sabbath school or what we would call Sunday school, they had learned the Word of God. It wasn't just something that only the high and holy sort of people did. It was something that everyone got taught. If you remember the story of the Exodus, as God is delivering his people, he tells them that he wants them to have his word, the word and the commands that he gives them. He wants them to be taught to their children, to to be talked about when they're walking, when they're sitting, when they're going, when they're coming. He wants this word to be communicated to them. And they did a pretty decent job at that. So the audience that Jesus is going to be talking to in John chapter 6 is going to remember the name of God being I Am. So now in John's gospel, we hear Jesus using this phrase, and he does so to explicitly associate himself with God the Father in heaven. Notice that he doesn't refer to himself as the I was. I was the one at creation. He could have said that. I was before you. He could have said that. But he says the present tense. And I know it's Sunday and we're not in school and that kind of thing. But I want you to think about the significance of the present presence of Almighty God. That even today, as we read through what Jesus' statement is, and what it meant to them, and what it means to us, God is very present. I love the psalmist that says, He is present in my time of need. If I go up to the heavens in the sky, He's there. If I go and fall into a pit down to the core of the earth, He is there. There is nowhere that we can escape the presence of God, except for the one place that has no presence of God. And that is a place we do not want to go. The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I'll say a big word here, and maybe you can, you know, use it at the water cooler with your friends this week. This is called, what theologians say, is the immutability of God. That word means that he is unchanging because there is no need for him to change. See, change 
connotes or, or demonstrates improvement. You change, like at the beginning of a year, you make a decision. I'm going to make a resolution in January, and I'm going to save money, lose weight, go on vacation, whatever it is. And that's saying that you need to change something. But God has no need to change. He has no room for improvement. Amen? He is the I am who was and is and will always be. So let's look at John chapter 6, where we find Jesus using this first I am statement. And this is the title of the message. It's found in this verse, John six forty eight. Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. I want you to go back up to verse 30, and we're going to read this passage through, and I'm going to show you some things as we read and go along. Verse 30, it says this, So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Stop there and just think about this for a moment. They are bringing up bread in the conversation. Manna is what was provided to them in the wilderness as they were headed towards the promised land. And it says, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. How many of you like bread? <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I'm not friends with people, really, who don't like bread. Um, it's just there's this commonality, you know? And there's dozens, if not hundreds, of ways that you can make bread. So this message just kind of speaks to my heart. It's, I hope it stirs up a hunger in you. Uh, but we're talking about a spiritual hunger today. He says, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32, Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you that bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Verse 49 continues, and it says, Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So to give you a little context, now that we've read that passage, it's, it's important for you to understand that as Jesus says he is the bread of life, earlier in chapter 6, he has just fed thousands of people single-handedly, supernaturally, by the work of God, he's multiplied a lunch that was five loaves of bread and two fish and fed what the Bible tells us was 5,000 men alone, not including the women and children. It's very possible that that tiny lunch, that lunchable, if you will, was shared between a, a group of seven, eight, ten thousand people. 
So Jesus now, in light of that divine sign and that supernatural miracle, calls himself the bread of life. In verse 35, he says, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. So Jesus is using the Old Testament image that God supplied bread for them to live in the wilderness and to not die. But that bread was a temporary provision. It was something even more than that. It was a foreshadow of what God wanted to do to provide them sustenance to actually live spiritually again and to not die spiritually. Jesus arrives on the scene and he is saying that he is the true and eternal bread that brings life not just to the body, but to the spirit. So we can fill ourselves up on the bread of life. And the truth is we need more than physical bread. How many of you remember the last time you were truly hungry? Physically hungry, right? Uh, maybe somebody told you you were hungry because of your behavior. Anybody ever been hangry? Anybody ever caught an attitude because you hadn't had food? Man, this, this message, I'm preaching to the right people today. The truth is, though, we need more than physical bread. We need it also from someone other than ourselves. This is what Jesus is trying to communicate to them. So today I want to give you two truths that I see in this this uh, passage in this statement of where Jesus says he is the bread of life. And then I want to give you an application for how it applies to your life today. The truth, number one, is this. Christ alone brings us fulfillment. We all have needs. You have physical needs. You have emotional needs. You have mental needs. You have relational needs. But there's a deeper need in the heart of every human created by God. There's a deep hunger that we all have. And it's a spiritual need and desire that cannot be met with other things except for God. Every man, woman, and child has this need. We have these spiritual or supernatural needs that are outside of the realm of something that could be met with dollars in a bank account or dinner on a table or a new position at our job or a new possession. It's something deeper than that. It's a deep need to be someone and to belong somewhere. We all have that inherent need. And when we surrender to Christ, he meets that need. People have attempted to meet these needs with those things I mentioned, like possessions or accolades or relationships or even substances. But this is designed by God as a whole, a vacuum in each, every individual human's heart to be filled only by God. And only when it's filled by God will it be truly satisfied or the need be met. If we're honest, those things are poor substitutes for the real deal. Satisfaction is not found in the gifts that God gives. 
listen to me. Satisfaction is not even found to be found in the gifts that God directly gives to you. The only place that you can find true fulfillment and satisfaction is in Him and Him alone. He is the source. He's the substance that we need. Jesus is the bread of life that fulfills that deepest longing inside of us. And using that understanding of being hangry, hungry and angry in that physical sense, I believe that I've actually met Christians who are spiritually hangry. Think about that for a moment. I know it's a simple statement, but it's got a deep truth embedded in it. That they don't spend enough time with God, but they spend a lot of time on the phone gossiping about the stuff of the day. Or they, or they fill their life with all these other activities and they don't prioritize time with God's family. Or they, you've met them too. Maybe you've been them. Maybe you are one today. But I've got good news. All you have to do is ask and believe in him and fill yourself up with the bread of life again. And the Bible says, I love this, that he came to give life and it more abundantly. I love the fact that he took the scraps in that kid's lunch and turned it into a buffet meal, all you can eat for thousands of people. And in so doing, he was demonstrating that he is doing the same thing spiritually. They weren't even on his level. He was trying to help them understand he's the bread of life, not just for you special ones, but for everyone. This is a powerful, powerful moment in Jesus' ministry. But he is the only one who can truly give us life and meaning and purpose. If you struggled to know what your purpose is in this life, if you have that deep hunger and you've tried to satisfy it with other things, you should know that Christ alone brings us fulfillment. The second truth is this, found in, in the understanding of Christ's statement, he alone transforms our tastes and desires. The people asked Jesus in verse 28, and I, I didn't read that to you, but you can go back and read the whole chapter later this week. They asked Jesus in verse 28, what do we need to do to get this bread? Jesus is facing some people in those days and time that are saying, okay, how do we get this bread? How do we make sure that we've got this bread? Jesus' answer is stark compared to what they probably imagined it would have been. Jesus' answer is, believe in me and the one who sent me. So you might wonder, how can you get this bread? It comes from Christ alone. And he alone is the one who can transform our taste and our desires. Have you ever tried to break a bad habit? Yes? Okay, I'm talking to some, some people who know what I'm talking about. Um, my kids, uh, they have some bad habits. Uh, one of them would be smacking not smacking each other, but literally my wife, she goes into a, a different form of a person when she hears those kids 
smacking their gum or chewing their food with their mouth open. She almost loses her mind every single time. We're working on breaking that bad habit. We're working on helping them understand God gave them a nose to breathe through and a mouth to eat through. And they can do both at the same time. They don't have to do it all in one place. Anyway, having said that, you've tried to change your eating habits or a bad habit. You've tried to replace something and some of us have succeeded and some of us have failed. Let me say that differently. Some of us have succeeded and all of us have failed at some point. To break a bad habit that we couldn't end up breaking. Your own will and your own strength are not enough to transform anything in your life. Outside of the help and the grace that comes from God, that transformation cannot take place. When we come to Christ and surrender ourselves to Him, some of this work, this transformation, this transformative work happens instantaneously, just like that. I can tell you, I remember seeing moments where people at altars were set free and set free for good. I can tell you about times in ministry where we ministered to people who were drug addicts and they were set free and literally left paraphernalia on the altar in the church and said, I'm not going back and started to be discipled in the word of God. And yet 10 or 12 days later, we're talking to them about something else and they drop a bad word in a conversation. And you say, wow, wait a second. I thought you were a Christian. A lot of it happens instantaneously just like that. But some of it happens progressively as well. And so we need to understand that when we taste of the bread of life that is Jesus Christ, that although we wish it all to be instantaneous just like that, there is work to be done progressively. But that gives me hope for the struggles that we face. That God is enough to help us even 10 days, 10 years later, when that thing creeps back up again, that we can experience the bread of life anew and afresh. None of the work that needs to be done in your spiritual life can be done by you alone. There's a partnership that happens. There's that decision that I've got to read his word. I've got to be discipled. I've got to serve in my church. I've got to this. I've got to that. There are those decisions, but you make them in partnership with the God of the universe who created you and loves you. Hear me well when I say this. Saying no to something is not enough. You can't just shout at an addiction. Right? You can't on New Year's Day or January 2nd or January 25th start screaming at the sugar bowl that's sitting beside the coffee maker. No, sugar, I command you to not come into my body. It doesn't work like that. In order to say no to something, you must say yes to something in its place. Now, I have met, let me just clarify, I have met some people who have a really strong will. And they can really make some changes and have in their life. I believe that the, the power of your, your will is awesome. But when it comes to our spiritual life, our tastes and desires, us alone, we are not enough 
without God's help. So you've got to say yes to something in its place. So if you're struggling with anger, you can't just be mad about being angry and having a problem with anger. You must fill yourself with God's word about what he can do to bring peace to your life. You must surround yourself with those who will encourage you and keep you accountable. It's the same process in any one of the areas of life that you and I face. And I've heard the excuse from people like my grandpa who said, you know, I really do want to come to God. I just have some stuff I got to take care of first. It wasn't, it wasn't like the, the, maybe the heart of a teenager that says, but I just kind of want to live my full life and then I'll, I'll come to God later. No, this is my grandfather on his deathbed with no place to go saying, I, I really, I believe that God loves me. I think I understand that now. And I want to come to him. But there's some stuff I've got to do before I I do. You can't change those things. God wants you with all your trash, with all your baggage. Because he wants to demonstrate how powerful he really is. By helping you clean up and clean out that house. So that's not how it works. We, We don't have to clean ourselves off before God gives us the bath, if you will. We just come to him simply believing who he is and start filling ourselves with the bread of heaven. And when we do this, our tastes change. Our desires start to go in line with the word of God, with the desire of the spirit that now lives inside of me. This is so powerful when you think about it that your taste and your desires, those natural urges start to wane and you can be filled with the bread of life who is Christ. And the point is this, to fill up so much on him that you don't have room for the rest of the stuff. Let me break it down for you in a really simple way. (laughs) I thought about this and this applies to you today. How many of you have ever had Mexican food? It's pretty much 100% of us. Okay. How many of you filled yourself up so much with chips and salsa before the meal got there that by the time the meal got there, you didn't have any room? I'm planning on doing that very thing after service today. Preach with queso, salsa, the chips, do it all. And then all of a sudden, and you know, you know that feeling. You kind of like sit back from the table. You've eaten that last chip and you're like, and then you see the waiter and here he comes. He got big plates with him. He's coming to fill up the entire table. Let me say it to you like this in a casual way that all of you will understand. Jesus is the chips and salsa. You say, well, that's, that's really casual. Can you really talk about him like that? Yeah, he called himself a loaf of bread. I can say he's the chips and salsa. He's the thing that we fill up on. And this is the point to fill up on him and not have room for the other stuff in your life. Listen, if you're struggling with joy, it's because you're lacking him. If you're struggling with peace, it's because you're lacking him. If you find yourself as a believer struggling with a pattern of sin, or still working to overcome something in your life, I can tell you the way to overcome it is to feed on the bread of life so much so that there's not room for the other stuff. 
I can guarantee you no other pastor in America preached a message today that involved the words, Jesus is your chips and salsa. So you can feel special about that. Here's the application. So I've given you two truths. I want to give you this application so that you understand what you're supposed to do with this. Well, it's fine and good that Jesus said he's the bread of life. I understand God called himself the I am. I know that when they were delivered in the wilderness, he gave them bread from heaven. I understand that Jesus says that was a temporary thing and now I'm here, but what do I do? The application is this, number three, share the bread with others. I want to say this, if you've not tasted the bread from heaven and believed in Jesus Christ and surrendered your life to him, you can do that very thing today. Jesus came that we would have life and it more abundantly. He's the thing that we were searching for and we didn't even know it. When we found him, more likely or more better said is he found us. But when we experience this bread, the bread of life that he is, we have a duty, we have a responsibility to share this bread with others. Think about it like this. I'm, prob- I'm sure that you've probably eaten at a fantastic restaurant or maybe you've experienced a fantastic meal in someone's home. I started thinking about food, obviously, while I was prepping for this message. I remembered some experiences as a child eating some wonderful meals. In fact, I remember the place, the time, the age. I remember the room I was in. My parents were invited over as the pastors of a church into a a house of people who were in the church and they were kind of new to the church. And they were from South Africa. And she treated us to an authentic South African meal. And if I think really hard about it, I can even tap back into that flavor and that taste. I've never had another meal like that meal in my life. And I started thinking about the experience that maybe you've had when you've had a fantastic meal in someone's house or in a restaurant. What do you end up doing? Telling people about it. That's exactly what you should do. That's what we do. We talk about it for days. Well, what'd you do this weekend? Well, my wife and I, we went out on a date and we tried this new place. Let me tell you about their pizza. Oh my goodness, let me tell you about their... And you say, Pastor, are you getting off track? No. Here's the point. Share the bread with others. Bring it up in conversations. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that it's easier than you think it is. If you use that analogy, just like you've tasted wonderful food at a wonderful restaurant and shared that news with someone else, the application is here that we are not to be stingy and hoard this bread of life, but we're to give it and share it with others. It's not as hard as you think it is, and I can tell you this with certainty, it will be better received than you imagine. Because everyone has that spiritual hunger inside and it needs to be filled with the bread of life. Would you stand with me today? I want to challenge you today to not have just listened to a message about Jesus' words, 
but to truly apply that message to your life this week. You say, well, how can I do that? You can do that in so many ways. You could do a word search in the Bible on bread. You could see other related topics to it that talk about God or Jesus and his character. What he's trying to communicate in John chapter six, you could read that chapter several times this week. You could pray a prayer that commits yourself to the Lord today and says, Lord, I've tasted the bread of life, but I haven't been all that great about sharing the bread of life with others. You could even pray a prayer of commitment today and then walk it out this week that says, Lord, I'm one of those who's filled my life with some other things and the priorities have gotten skewed and you're no longer the thing that's filling me first. So God, I'm coming to you asking you to forgive me and to help me walk this week in such a way that you fill up my life and all the other stuff just kind of falls by the wayside or falls in line after you. That's what I want us to do today. So would you close your eyes as the worship team is gonna lead us in this last song. I just wanna pray over us as a church, those who are listening or watching, those who are here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts that you would convict us of filling ourselves with other things, other activities, other desires, and, and chasing those things. Convict us of that. Lord, forgive us of the times where we've put you in a different priority. Lord, we do thank you for the gifts that you give and the, the needs that you do supply for. But more than all of that, I thank you for meeting our deepest need. Lord, that need for salvation and forgiveness. God, I thank you that you sent the manna from heaven that wasn't temporary, but can be permanent inside of our own lives even today. Thank you for your word that brings life to us and light to our path. And I pray that you would help us commit ourselves this week to share the bread of life with others. Let's worship the Lord and commit ourselves to him in these last moments together. I searched the world for a love that could fill my heart. Oh, but nothing compares to the one